This is the message given by Pastor James Lim during the morning worship service at Faith Presbyterian Church, Long Beach, California, for May 14, 2023. The title of the message is The Surpassing Worth of Christ. Well, we come now to the part of our service, the means of grace, in which we hear God's word read and preached. Uh, this is where we worship uh, by faith, by hearing God's word, uh, not just in, as information, but as life-changing truth uh, to draw us closer to himself. And so uh, before we hear God's word, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask him for help. Our Father, this morning we come uh, hungry for your grace, hungry for your word. Lord, as we hear your word, read and particularly as it's preached, help us, uh, Lord, to, to show the world uh, as an act of faith that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from your mouth, that it would be a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. We ask, Lord, all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Just to give you a little bit of context, we continue uh, through Philippians chapter 3. And um, last week we looked at the first three verses uh, in which Paul is warning the Philippians against those who would come and uh, against those who would come and put barriers up to God's grace. That, that uh, they, uh, the Judaizers are trying to, to make it so that Gentiles had to become Jews in order to be saved. Um, and so he, t- he talked about how uh, they are, they're, not, they're not advocating for circumcision, not, th- not the way that it was meant to be done in the Old Testament, but actually mutilating the flesh. And that he says, we are the real circumcision, the true circumcision, the spiritual circumcision uh, by which we glory, we worship uh, the Holy Spirit, we worship by the Spirit, we glory in Christ Jesus, and we put no confidence in the flesh. And then at that moment, the Apostle Paul then turns and he gives an insight into what that means to be the real circumcision, to glory in Christ and not put your confidence in the flesh. And he shares that uh, from his own experience. So here and then now the reading of God's holy word beginning in verse 4. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone thinks he has reason for confidence, confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law a Pharisee, as to zeal a persecutor of the church as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. May he add his blessing to it this morning. 
You know, at various points in our lives, we, get, we can get caught up in trends and fashions uh, of, our, of a particular point in our lives. Uh, not too long ago, I went to, and I think I'm dating myself now, I went to my 30th high school reunion. And they had pictures, they had uh, yearbook pictures pasted, all, blown up and, and pasted all over uh, the table. And they had name tags with your, high, your senior high school picture next to your name so that people remember what you look like. Because uh, sometimes, you know, <laughs> people have changed so much over 30 years. Uh, some people didn't change at all, and some people... They look nothing like their high school picture. Um, But most of us, so when we put them on and we looked at them, most of us cringed. It was really funny to see people. They're like, oh, to see pictures of themselves in high school. I mean, uh, all the hairspray uh, that must have been used that, you know, no wonder uh, the ozone layer was so depleted in the 80s and 90s. Um, And and the the hair, oh, man, the the bangs, the shoulder pads, the... the, um, the pants, the shoes. Oh, it was uh, embarrassing to see um, what I wore and what I looked like. And what we thought was so trendy and so cool. You know, I remember the clothes that I wore and I thought I was just the coolest thing on campus. And then somebody snapped a picture and it was up there and I just wanted to crawl under the, under the table. It was just, it was uh, really funny, but... Um, But such is the fleeting nature of fashion uh, and the values of our culture. Things we thought were good for us turned out to be bad. Things we thought were bad turned out to be very good for us. Things we thought were valuable turned out to be worthless. And things we thought were worthless turned out to be very valuable. And it doesn't just apply to hairstyles and fashions, but to our values, to our outlook on life, to our beliefs, to the way that we see things, our worldviews. Sometimes we look back at what we once were, and then something happens to us that changes us so that we look back and we feel like we're completely different people. We have different values, different beliefs, different priorities. This is what happens when God grabs a hold of us and so changes our lives that that the closest thing we can describe to what happened is that we are born again. We are new creations. Uh, We we who were once dead are made alive again. We who are dead in our trespasses and sins have been made alive in Christ to a living hope. Uh, What God does to us in his grace is, turns our world so upside down that what we thought was gain turns, is actually loss. And what we thought was loss becomes gain. This is the outlook. This is the worldview. This is what Paul is sharing with us from his own experience. That God had so shaped and changed his life so radically, so utterly, turned it upside down, that that which he thought was gain, that which he thought would gain him God's love, God's salvation, God's grace, really was loss. It meant nothing in light of what he had gained through grace, through faith in Christ Jesus. And so this morning I want us to look at the gospel and how through the gospel we can count everything as loss. Everything is loss in light of the surpassing worth 
of who Jesus is. And so how do the gospel turn our world upside down so we can see the change? We have to see what we used to hold as gain and how it has become loss. So first we see how we used to see everything we are and everything we do as gain, but really it's loss. What we thought was good for us ended up being not so good for us. Uh, Last week, Paul warns the Philippians against the dogs, against the Judaizers, those who who would preach that you have to do something in order to gain God's love, in order to be saved. Uh, and, and so in doing that, he says, we are the, true, the real circumcision because we're saved by grace, not by works. Who worship by the Spirit, glory in Christ, and put no confidence in the flesh. And that's where we find ourselves here. Paul says, Paul says if, if, uh, if anyone else has reason to for confidence in the flesh. Like if anyone is going to brag about what they have done in order to be saved by God, I'm the one who has the who 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 should be boasting the most. I have the best religious resume. I have the best religious pedigree. And then he lists them. Right? But in doing so, he's he's showing us the value system that he had the priorities that he had, the view of salvation that he had before he met the risen Christ, before he understood the surpassing worth of who Christ is. He gloried not in in Christ, but in himself and his works. This is what Paul is telling us, the things that he can brag about because he's put his confidence in the flesh. Look at verse 4. Uh, because uh, for this reason I have confidence in the flesh. Um, if anyone thinks that they have reason for confidence, I have more. And what are they? Uh, we can't rely. He t- shows us that we can't rely on what, we, what I call birthright religion. Right? He, he lists there being circumcised on the eighth day. See, Paul thought that he was saved because he was born a Jew and received the covenant sign uh, of a Jew. He thought salvation was a birthright, something that he received simply by being born a Jew. But salvation, both in the Old and in the New Testament, has always been. There has never been a time that it was any different. That it has always been salvation by grace through faith alone. In the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, it was through the promise of the coming Christ. And for us, on this side of the death and resurrection, we look back to the the one who already came and we put our faith in him for what he's done. Yes, God promised uh, that that, uh, the children of Abraham would be his covenant people, but it was always by faith. Circumcision was just a sign of what the inner reality was supposed to be or would become, a circumcision of the heart a cutting off of the flesh, a kind of, maybe, a, maybe this is a way to put it, is, it's a, it is a, a, an illustration of being born again, of receiving a new heart because the flesh has been cut away and you have new and, and living, new, new life, new, a new heart. 
And so circumcision was just an outward sign of what was supposed to be an inward reality. But, but the Pharisees and the Judaizers and, and those who, who saw uh, uh, salvation as something to be earned by God turned it into a work. They turned it into something that you have to achieve, something that you're born with in order to be saved. And so, friends, what that means for you Uh, even the covenant children who are with us, just because you were born into a Christian family, just because you were baptized as a child, does not mean you're a Christian. It doesn't mean that you're saved. It doesn't mean that you have a birthright uh, to, to go to heaven for your sins to be forgiven. What it means is, what it means is that you still must Put your faith in Christ. So you're not, you don't, you're, you don't have it by birthright. Not by earthly birth, but here's, here's the beauty of the gospel. You can receive it by your heavenly birthright. In hearing the gospel, in being born again. And, and, and the way that John, uh, Jesus talks about it when he was talking with, with Nicodemus that, that word being born again, you must be born again. Another translation of that word is, you must be born from above. So, so it's that spiritual, invisible, heavenly birth that comes through the gospel. That is how you receive. That is how you receive salvation in Christ. We also cannot rely on our ethnicity or our race for salvation. Paul goes on to list his ethnic and racial pedigree as sources of his confidence in in, in his life with God. Uh, Look at what he goes on to say. Of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. And not just a mere Jew. You you have to take this all into account. Not just a regular Jew, a Hebrew, but he is a Hebrew of Hebrews. He is the cream of the crop uh, of what it means to be Jewish culturally, religiously. Um, uh, by, by, um, by learning. See, he, he, what he's saying here is that he used to think that he was saved by his Jewishness. This is the pride of racial and ethnic superiority. When we think we're better than others simply because of our ethnicity or race, then we engage in a form of racism, a form of racial and ethnic superiority. When we think that we're better than, than other people who look and act and, and, and behave differently than us, and we think that they're less than Christian, and we're the true Christians, we are engaging in what Paul is doing here. I was born into a Christian family. My grandfather was a Christian. My grandmother was a Christian. My father was a Christian. Uh, and so I must be a Christian because I'm, I'm moral. I follow God's law. I go to church twice on a Sunday. Um, You know, I give money to the poor. I pray. When you start to list the things that you do in order to prove that you're a Christian, you're starting at the wrong place. Where you ought to start is, um, where you ought to start is that You know that you're a sinner. There's nothing in you and nothing about you that entitles you to God's love and God's grace. 
but it's simply by God's sovereign grace and mercy that you've put your faith in Christ. And so you were saved then in order then to do the things that you're listing. And you only do them because God has saved you, not in order that God will save you. There's There's a world of difference there, a world of difference. And so... This is, has been and always will be the great sin that strikes at the heart of the gospel and of true Christianity. The Judaizers said non-Jews had to become Jews in order to be saved. They had to be circumcised, just like uh, those who are ethnically Jewish. And this is why Paul wrote in Galatians, why he warns the Philippians here against the dogs who would mutilate the flesh. This is why Paul confronted Peter uh, for segregating himself from the, the Jew, from the Gentiles uh, because he didn't want to embarrass himself by associating with, with uh, Gentiles uh, who uh, he wanted to, to be more pure. And Paul confronted him to his face and said, you are not uh, walking in accordance with the gospel. You are actually acting in a way that goes against the gospel. You are teaching people that you have to be saved by doing something or being something and not by grace alone or faith alone, but by something that you have to do. There is neither male nor female, slave or free, Jew or Greek, for we are all one in Christ. We are all made in the image of God with equal dignity and because our standing is in Christ, we are equal before God. Not because of our tribe, whether it be political, cultural, ethnic, or racial, but it is solely and completely in Christ. I think I might have told this story before, but uh, and I'm going to speak about it from my own from my own perspective, uh, and maybe you have your own take on what this what this means for you. But uh, there was a friend who was a missionary to Japan, and he missed being in an Asian church. Uh, And so he wanted to go and visit a Korean Presbyterian church where everybody's Korean. And uh, and he had this long beard, you know, he's really, was a very sweet man. He came and he he came on a Sunday morning to this uh, Korean Presbyterian church and he sat down and later on during the service, somebody came up to him and said, excuse me, sir, but you're scaring the rest of our congregation. We'd like for you to leave. And he was like wondering like why? And it, and, and it turned out later on, he found out is because, because people felt uncomfortable because he was not Korean. And they felt that because he wasn't Korean, he didn't belong in that church. And I was so embarrassed. I was so embarrassed. But friends, it, it we don't have to be a Korean church in order to look at other people and say they don't belong here. People who don't look like us, speak like us, dress like us, when they walk in, do you judge them and say, you know what, they don't belong here. Maybe I should point them to a church that maybe they're a little bit more, um, would accept them or maybe more, more like them. Uh, friends, brothers and sisters, when we do that, we are saying, we are saying that because we are a certain kind of Christian, we only receive certain kinds of Christians. 
And what that means is you're saying you, you believe in a different gospel. Not a gospel in which salvation is by grace, but salvation is by something in you. Uh, let's move on. Number three, we, can all, we, cannot, we can't rely on our law-keeping. This is what Paul means when he says, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Uh, there, Paul was a Pharisee who prided himself on keeping God's law and following the Bible to a T. Every jot and tittle, tithing his mint and cumin, Uh, They thought salvation was by rule keeping. If you're good enough, then God will love you. God will save you. And this is what we call works religion. The default mode of the fallen human heart. That we are all Pharisees at heart. We think the more moral we are, the more God loves us. And the more we can earn or gain, salvation depends on how good we are. Paul, but this is what Paul says in contrast to that, to contradict that idea in Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Paul goes on and says in Galatians 2, 16, yet we know that a person is not justified. Right, what he means there is you are not right with God. You are not saved by God. You are not accepted by God by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Paul's saying, I used, to, I used to keep the law, and I was pretty good at it. I thought God loved me more because I obeyed the law. Maybe you don't put it that way, but maybe you believe it, and you think that your standing as a good Christian depends on how, how good you obey God's law, how many times you pray, how, many, how regularly you come to church. All those things are good. I'm not telling you don't come to church regularly. All those things are good, but what, how do you see them in comparison to your, your relationship with God? Do you think that the more you obey, the more God loves you? Right? Or maybe you don't, you're not a Christian. Maybe you're not a Christian and, um, and you, you, want God to, to, you want God to love you more somehow. And so you want to be a good person. Uh, the gospel uh, reminds us that you will never be good enough. See, this is why God gave the law. God gave the law to show the absolute perfection in obedience that he requires. You have to have the perfect motive without sin. You have to do the perfect action just right. You can't fail at one point. And even if you sin once, you're guilty of sinning uh, uh, altogether, the, the word of the law of God. That, that one sin is enough for you to fail utterly and not be received and accepted by God. And, and so, so the thing you have to be careful is that, yeah, we're, we know in our minds that we're not saved by keeping the law in order to be saved. But sometimes we have a backdoor legalism where we have to keep the law in order to stay saved. 
And that's not, that's not the point. Because it's still, you're still trying to earn your salvation, whether it's through the front door or the back door. Uh, keeping the law is a matter of what God has already done for you. That you keep the law because God saves you. And it's not by your performance that God loves you, but because what Jesus has done for you. Jesus kept the law in your place because you would never, you were never good enough and you never will be. And because Jesus did it for you, by faith, he gives it to you as if it was yours. That's what justification means. And that's what Paul means later on at the end of this section here. To be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. As if I can become righteous by keeping the law. But that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that is perfect. Right? Without spot, without blemish. A righteousness from God that depends on faith. In which the righteousness that Jesus has done, given, is given to us. And it becomes ours as if we had done it. But Paul here, Paul thought that that's how he was saved. Until he met the risen Christ on that fateful day on the road to Damascus. And then uh, lastly, uh, uh, of this litany of, of religious pedigree, we cannot rely, we cannot rely on our zeal for God. We cannot rely on our sincerity of religion. Look at what he says there in verse six. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. Paul was an extremely zealous Jew He was extremely zealous for God's law, so much so that he persecuted the church of Jesus Christ. He was one of the ones who held all the coats. As the people stoned Stephen when he gave his speech, he was on his way to Damascus to throw Christians in jail, and he encountered uh, the risen Christ. He thought the more sincerely and passionately and zealously he believed the more he earned God's love and approval. It, it, it maybe one way to put it, it it's, and maybe we, some of us believe it, that it, we, we think that we're saved by sincerity. Right? Uh, it, it doesn't matter what you believe. I don't know if you heard this. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere and you re- really believe it, and that's good for you. Right? One writer puts it this way, and I think it's a good answer. Salvation doesn't come by passion. People are passionate about a lot of things. Salvation comes by knowing the real man of zeal, Jesus Christ. People can be sincere, but they can be sincerely wrong. And so sincerity doesn't save you, right? It has to be sincere in the right place, the right thing, the right truth. And it's only through faith in Christ Jesus. So the point that I want to make to you is this. Friends, brothers, sisters, where is your confidence in life? Where is your confidence with God? Is it in yourself and what you do? Or is it in Christ and what he's done for you? These things are what Paul used to put as his confidence. 
These are how Paul thought he could earn salvation and gain his standing with God. But look at verse 7. But Paul says, Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss. Why? For the sake of, on the account of, because of Christ. This morning, are you relying on your birth or ethnicity or morality or good works for salvation? Every other religion and philosophy says you're saved by what you do. You are saved by your works, your goodness, your birth, your ethnicity, your culture. Um, But you'll never be good enough. You'll never be perfect and adequate enough. And this is why we need salvation in the first place. We can't save ourselves. When we're, draw, when we're drowning in a sea of, of everything that's going on in our lives, whether it's trouble we got ourselves into or something that happened to us, we can't save ourselves. We need someone outside of our situation to come and rescue us. And this is what it means to be saved by grace through faith and not by works. It's not what we do to save ourselves, but what Jesus does for us. It's not by what we do for ourselves, but what Jesus gives to us as a free gift of grace. That's what faith is. That's what faith does. It trusts in what Jesus does. Uh, And it it says to you, you say to yourself through faith, you say to the world, that I can't save myself. I need Jesus to rescue me. And this is why Paul thought it was all gain. Each and everything he was and everything he did, he thought he was gaining his own salvation, gaining his right standing before God so God would accept him and love him more. But when he met Jesus and he realized what it took to really be saved, a perfect life of obedience and and a a death in order for the forgiveness of sins, he realized that he had fallen vastly short of God's glory. And everything he thought would gain him salvation, it ended up uh, being loss for him. Uh, what, What he's saying here is that all the things that he thought would bring him closer to God actually pushed him away from God. Why? Because they all pushed him away from Jesus Because when we are busy trying to save ourselves by what we do, we don't see the need for Jesus. If you can save yourselves, why do you need Jesus? Right? If you don't think you need help, then why should you ask for it? If you think you can be your own savior, you're not going to look to another. And when we do that, What we're really saying is, we don't need God at all. And so all of his accomplishments, all of his goodness, talking about Paul, is a liability. It's what keeps you from turning to God and gaining salvation in and through him. And so what made Paul see uh, that all of this was, was, what he thought was gain was actually loss. He saw the surpassing worth of who Christ is. He counted everything as loss for the sake of Christ because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. 
See, this is the essence of Paul's gospel. Jesus is everything. And if he's everything, then everything else compared to him is really nothing. This is why Paul says, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them. Count them as rubbish. He literally says trash, excrement, in order that I may gain Christ. Do you see what Paul's saying? Jesus is so valuable, so priceless, so incomparable that everything else, my value, my works, my ethnicity, my possessions, my goodness, whatever we look to for worth and value pales infinitely in comparison to the value of Jesus Christ. Jesus is so more infinitely valuable than what we thought. All those things we thought were valuable is really worthless, less than worthless. Paul literally says it's all crap. Excuse the language, but that's literally what he means here. It's all crap. It's trash, it's junk, it's garbage compared to the value of Jesus. And that can only happen if and when we understand the infinite worth of who Jesus is. Here's the catch. This is a challenge to all of you. As long as we think little of Jesus, as long as we see him of little worth, then we'll always choose everything else. You will never choose Jesus over everything else. You will always count everything else as gain and Jesus as loss unless you see the infinite value and worth of who Jesus is. The God of heaven and earth who became a man. The infinite God who became a, a weak human baby to suffer and to die, to take our place and to die on the cross for those whom he loved. He, he shed his own blood, the infinite worth of his life he shed uh, for you and for me to redeem us, to atone for our sins and to purchase us for himself. If we don't see the infinite worth of, of Jesus' death on the cross for you, uh, then you will never know his worth. So this morning I want to ask you, if you had to choose between all the things that you love in this world and to have Jesus, what would you choose and why? See, that's, that's the, the challenge that Paul is giving here. Do you count Right? It doesn't mean that everything actually is. You have to count it in your own heart as loss uh, because of the surpassing worth of counting Jesus as everything. Right? And that's really what faith is. Faith is trusting in Christ because you treasure Christ. You see in him the infinite worth of a treasure. Just like in his parables, uh, a, a man who was walking through the, uh, a field found a hidden treasure. He opened it up and saw it. He hid it. He went home and sold everything he had in order to buy the land so that he could have that hidden treasure and it would be all his. It was far surpassed the worth of everything else he had. And so he knew that whatever he bought, when he bought this land with the hidden treasure in it, 
It was a bargain. And that's what what the gospel says to each and every one of you. Count everything else as loss. Your birthright, your ethnicity, your obedience to the law, your goodness, your sincerity, your zeal. All of those things that you thought were pluses in your life will become will become um, loss in light of the infinite worth of Jesus Christ. And when we choose the surpassing worth of Christ, we will choose him over everything else because it's a no-brainer. So this morning, are you, tr- are you trusting in Christ as you treasure him? Are you counting everything as loss because you know the surpassing worth of who Jesus is and you want to gain him? And how do you gain him? Count everything everything in him as gain and everything else as loss. Count everything that you are and you think is good and let it go. It doesn't mean you, you have to throw it away. It just means if I lose it, I lose it but I have Jesus, he's all I need. Count everything you've done and let it go. Uh, Your resume uh, will never, there'll always be someone who has a better resume than you. You'll never be perfect, you'll never be good enough, but if you have Jesus, he's all you need. So if you trust in him for salvation and you are found in him, then you will have gained him. And so friends, treasure my, my encouragement to you here is let us treasure Jesus because Jesus in the gospel is our treasure. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for, we thank you for this wonderful truth that you proclaim to us through Paul. Help us to count everything as loss uh, for the sake of Christ. Help us to count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of Christ and to gain him. Lord, we, we know this is not an easy task, but help us to see that the infinite worth of Jesus uh, so that we would know the bargain that he really is when, we get, when we're willing to give up everything in order to gain him. Bless us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.